This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. And thank you for being with us on the Vedic Wisdom. I'd like to talk to you about desires. Now, I've spoken about this subject before, but I'm going to take it a little bit higher this time. I'm going to bring a conclusion to you, I hope. First of all, everybody has desires, and desires well up and are instigated from the mind. Now, the senses see something, report to the mind, and the mind develops a desire. Oh, what was that sound? I want to know. Uh, what's that smell? Oh, I'd like to taste that. I'd like to touch that. I'd like to hear that. These desires are in the mind. Many of them are caused by the senses being attached or distracted towards some particular subject and many desires well up from the heart. I wish I could do this. I wish I had done that. I wish I could fix this. I wish I could achieve that. Different desires that one sincerely wants to accomplish. Then there's perverted desires. Things that aren't good for you, but you desire it anyway. There are people that are very guilty of that. <clears throat> and now and again, one or the other, you or I, whoever, we may have a perverted desire. I wanted to do this and really I shouldn't. No, it didn't work out. It, no, it's not right. Back off. Or you go ahead and do it and regret it later. This happens so much uh, in a passionate outburst. Someone says something to you and you outburst at them. And later you go, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. I wanted to tell them off. I wish I hadn't done that. So... There's many categories of desires. And we have to learn that desires has a major significance about how we act. We act to fulfill our desires. And we respond to the impact of different actions upon us caused by the reactions of our desires. Now, this is expanded further, and we've discussed this, where a lifetime full of activities causes a lifetime full of reactions. So you need to take a look at, is that worth pursuing? Is that desire worth fulfilling? Because I'll be forced to get a reaction. And is that the kind of time I want to spend? Is that the kind of reaction I want to endure? This analysis needs to be done a sober man you need to be sober you need to consider is this worth doing should I have that desire should I suppress that desire should I give up that desire the Vedic literature says give up all material desires because they all bind you they all karmatically bind you to another birth they bind you to an extended period of time in the material manifestation to suffer and enjoy and that's not the goal of life. That's not fulfilling you. You know that. You're living in it. You're living in desires and the results of desires bouncing back on you, and it's not making you happy. Maybe for a moment, maybe sometime, but not permanently, not really happy, not blissful. And that's the normal human condition. The normal human condition is when one is full of knowledge, blissfully happy, full of love, 
and is eternally situated, no cessation of the existence. We have multitudes of desires. The Vedic literature says they are like the number of waves in a river. There's endless. As soon as one dissolves away, another one pops up. Endless number of desires. And they're working through, they're bubbling up in the mind. So, controlling of the mind and senses is a primary injunction for those in the human form of life. It's not something to be taken lightly. In the human form of life, self-control is supposed to be taught from a very early age, five years. At five years of age, you're supposed to be taught self-control, sense control, celibacy, everything. So that the living entity, the good intelligence of the individual, gets control of the mind so it doesn't drag them through a lifetime of endless foolish desires. I want to talk about desiring things or resources and how these endless desires cause a result. Now the result I'm looking at here is if you desire what you require, that is provided by the Lord. That is provided in the balance of nature that every living entity who is here gets what they need, whether it's food, water, shelter, whatever. They get what they need or they get what they deserve. If it's not what they need, it's what they deserved by karmetic action in the previous life. But if they recognize that you're in the situation, you can desire what you need, that is normal condition of life. That is intelligent life. But if you go on and want more and more and more and more, and it's unnecessary, that is called sinful. Because for one reason, you're involving yourself in stuff that has nothing to do with you, that is not your allocation. Someone else is suffering because of your greed. Now, we have that in the material world, a great example right before our eyes right here, right now. The bankers are crazy, insane, greedy, and they're pulling all the money out of the countries, out of the companies, out of the businesses, out of the individuals, out of the savings, out of everything for their own control and interest. And it's causing increased suffering. The businesses, the people in general, their margin is reducing. Their savings is reducing. Their options is reducing. Their free time, their vacation is reducing. Everything that is supposedly the results of having money is reducing. So we see that the monetary system is corrupt with greed and it's causing negative downstream effects on everybody. So, the same thing is true with food. If there's an endless desire, if you are overeating all the time, it comes to the point that all these overeaters are making other people not get what they deserve. If it's being used over here, it can't be used over there. And if you're guilty of desiring more than your needs, 
You're implicated in the sinful reactions. So it's not intelligent. If you're not hungry, don't eat. If there's no appetite, if there's no hunger, you simply just get indigestion if you eat. When you actually need nourishment, the body will make you hungry. And then you eat what's required, not gluttonous, what is required. We have such a huge fat society because the people, well, really, the two reasons. One is because the people can't control their tongue. And the other is because they're eating fast foods that have no nutrition and yet leave you fat. There are many fat people who are actually almost starving because the quality of food is so bad. And some people understand that. Some people haven't put two and two together yet. But the point is that you're supposed to be controlled and you're supposed to understand what do I need. Act according to what you need, not what you desire. Don't take more than is necessary. Live simply. Don't overdo anything. As Bhagavad Gita says, one should not eat too much or eat too little. One should not sleep too much or sleep too little. One should not talk too much or talk too little. Let's think about that for a moment. How are you doing in that scale? Are you talking too much nonsense? Are you not talking up when you should? Are you eating all the time and you don't need to? Are you putting on weight because it's bad food and you're just putting it in your mouth for taste? So think about this kind of issue. One being the necessities and the other being fulfillment of unnecessary desires. Same with sleep. I didn't mention that. You should not sleep more than you need. Oh, yeah, I don't want to get up. I, I'm in a drowsy condition. I like this. Or it's quiet or I'm warm. Or, oh, la, 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 la. You should be regulated. I get up at the same time of day every day, no matter what my day was or is. Regulated. If you at least start your day getting up at the same time of day every day, no matter what happens in your life, that is the beginning. You can regulate thereafter. But if you don't control when you go to, uh, when you get up and you stop the sleeping cycle, the rest of the day is higgly piggly. You don't have a regulated life. You see it. If you have a job, you have to get up at such and such to make it to the job on time. It's a form of regulation. Yes, it's, it's getting to work on time that's causing it, but it all starts at what time do you get up? So think about this. Are you regulating your sleep cycle? Are you regulating your eating volume? Are you regulating your talking? You can see how these are three principal aspects of your life that can make a significant difference if they're under control and regulated versus totally out of control, unregulated, and, and disrupting your flow of life. Nature has the tendency to go, if you won't control yourself, I'll control you. Nature is the controller of the living entities, just like you're the controller of your kids or your dog. The dog has to stop barking. Or the dog has to go outside. Or the dog has to, etc., etc. The kids have to do this. You have to wash your hands. Yeah, brush your teeth. You have to, you have to so many things. If they aren't able to regulate themselves, you regulate them for their own good.
The same thing is true in our existence in the human form of life. If you are not regulating yourself, nature will try to impose regulations on you. So recognize this fact and control yourself. This controlling of yourself is the beginning of self-control, self-realization, God-realization, love of God. It's a science. It's not an arbitrary thing. If you regulate when you get up and you regulate how much you eat, how much you sleep, how much you talk, you got the beginning of controlling your entire life. And if you don't, you will fall under the control of someone else who will exploit you, use you, control you, and you become unhappy. All of us are unhappy when we're controlled. When we voluntarily do something, we're happy. But when we're forced to do something, we're unhappy. Just like to go to work. I wish I didn't have to go to work, but you have to be there at 8 o'clock. So you have to get up and you have to clean and you have to eat and you have to travel and you have to be there at 8 o'clock. But if you were able to organize yourself in such a way that you came up with another method of employment or edgy or income that you didn't have to arrive there at 8 o'clock, you could govern your life and be successful in your new path. You just have to get up and regulate yourself for the new path. One is rewarding because it's your intent, your desire, your self-interest. And the other is you're forced. So remember this when you discipline people. Remember this when you voice your opinion. You aren't here to make people do things. You're here to make you do things and be a good example and encourage them. And if they are your subordinates, regulate them. But first of all, you must regulate you. So rather than being caught in sinful activities, rather than having nature restrict the resources upon you, rather than having your life one of chaos and unhappiness, take control of these few simple facts and regulate yourself voluntarily and you will feel happy. You are choosing to do it. That's when you're happy. I independently desire to do this and I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do. It's good. I'm going to do it. You're happy. And if someone tells you, you have to do this, and you've got to be there at this time, and you don't get any choice, and you're not going to have your car, and you're not going to be able to use your phone, and you're not going to be able to listen, you're going to, I'm not happy. So take a moment and look at your life. Take a moment and look at your activities. Take a moment and look at your self-control. We've been raised in a society that has not practiced self-control. The education system does not teach the children self-control. It teaches them compliance, but it doesn't teach them self-control. You can order them to do anything. They've been regimented, and they're fearful that if they step out of line, they get in trouble. But you haven't been taught how to regulate yourself, how to make the decisions that are to your benefit, and to reject the situations that are not. Now think about these aspects of your life because they are influencing the result of your life. They're influencing what you get from your life and what you contribute. According to the Vedic literature, we are all here to contribute positively to each other. 
living harmoniously without aggravation, without criticism, being compassionate, tolerant, patient. We can encourage, we can support, we can cohabitate without any issues whatsoever. We see on the planet there's so many conflicting political parties and issues and employment, excuse me, uh, financers that are trying to get their narrative or their position or their goals uh, enacted. And they're bi bribing people, paying people, do this, go march in the street. Call these people blacks. Call them something offensive. Call these people something else. Uh, don't do what you're told. Reject, break windows, cry, fight in the street, light a car. Because they don't have human consciousness. They have animalistic self-consciousness. They do not know that we are intended to, we are capable of, we are supposed to live in harmony. They don't know it's just a decision away. You just decide which camp you're in. And you don't let these funders and these protesters and these activists and these crazy people influence your point of view. They have an ulterior purpose. They have twisted the facts to support their point of view. Taken the evidence and twisted that evidence such that it's been uh, misinterpreted to support what they want. And they want to see if you will buy into it. So this is why the Vedic literature is on the planet. This is why the spiritual master protects the Vedic literature. So it's not influenced and subject to these types of movements that distract the living entities from their true self-purpose. So you have to look at these things that are going on on the planet and look at the media who is owned by one of these groups and is nowhere near telling you the truth. They have their own agenda, they have their own narrative, they have their own plan for you. And they're using all the secret, invisible technological tools and, and uh, processes on you that you aren't even aware of. And it's not leading you to love of God. It's leading you to uncontrolled desires. An endless stream of uncontrolled and many times unfulfilled desires that leads directly to frustration. And yet if you talk to people, they want the frustration. They want the anxiety to go away. Look at yourself. How good would your life be if the anxiety you're dealing with went away? Whether it's a person or a situation or a whatever. If you didn't have the anxiety, how much better would your life be? What other things would you be doing now? How happy would you be? How involved in other positive, pious, pure, beneficial things would you be? So this is the bottom line, the early stages of teaching from the Vedic literature of what to look for, what to avoid, how to see things, what is right and what is wrong, controlling your desires and prioritizing your actions and employing your free will correctly, not being inhibited or punished or restricted or any of that sort of thing by nature because your greed is off the scale. If you sit down and you find yourself, I'm willing to do that at the cost of others, you're guilty of greedy mentality. The balance of nature and the intention of the Lord is that there's everything here that everybody needs who's here. And if that isn't working out that way, somebody's being greedy. 
Now, you can't go out and force them to not be greedy, but it has to be the method of life you teach the young, the method of life you practice, or it'll never come right. Society will simply implode upon itself, eat itself alive, eat each other, kill each other, distract everyone from anybody becoming a God-conscious servant, when the goal of life is to be a God-conscious servant. So we're here telling you, if you read the Vedic literature, you will see that these points are brought out in clearer language than I can give it to you. I, I'm doing my best. But the words and instructions of the spiritual master are very succinct, are very clear, are very absolute. They apply to everyone in all situations because they are transcendental knowledge outside of this temporary tabernacle of temporary consciousness and activities. And this is where you need to be. Well, how can you be there if you don't understand that point of view? So reading the Vedic literature gives you that point of view. So we encourage you to read Bhagavad Gita as it is. We encourage you to look up His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada. To learn what the great personality did. To learn his selfless, kind, benevolent support and encouragement to all the living entities in the human form of life. To come out of their misconceptions. To raise to the platform of devotional consciousness. To control their mind and senses and desires. To be the best person and example they can be to engage in the Lord's plan of liberating the fallen souls from these misconceptions. Once you've been liberated, you have the ability and the responsibility to help others come out of this illusion. You don't change them, you inform them, and they make a decision. I don't change you, I inform you, and you make a decision. This is the reality of how it works. So. Take a moment, hold back of these useless desires, and investigate, fulfill the desire of understanding the Vedic literature. Just understand it, read it, just read it once. Understand it in proper perspective once in your life, and you will be completely benefited. You have many years thereafter to check and balance, confirm, analyze, see the wisdom, see the practical application. See the positive results. So don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss the opportunity of the human form of life. Don't miss the importance of vibrating the Hare Krishna Maha Mantra, reading the Vedic literature, hearing the spiritual master's directions and instructions, and using this knowledge, using these tools to correct your life. Practice it. Self-control, control of your desires, control of your senses and your mind. So this is the opportunity. This is the prescribed method from the great spiritually realized spiritual masters from centuries. This has been the situation. So please take this opportunity to come to that platform where you see things in proper perspective and you know what is right and wrong. And you can hear the spiritual master's instructions in your heart because you've read the Vedic literature. And you know right from wrong. You're in the situation where you're fully aware of how to become a fully realized soul in this very life.
and fulfill the mission of life. Don't be greedy. Control your desires. It will make you happy. It will reduce the anxiety and the frustration. Others will see your great endeavor and the great good result. And they will be influenced to change themselves. This is the importance of human interaction. That's why we're all here. It's an opportunity to encourage and help and support each other to becoming better beings, to become self-realized souls. And when we lose and give up this material body, we can take on the process of spiritual life completely. Returning back to the spiritual world, back home, back to Godhead. Eternal bliss and knowledge in the association of the Lord and his eternal servants. Free from the anxiety and confusion caused by your temporary body. That's the process in the Vedic literature. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.